Now, <clears throat> this morning and 2,000 years ago was a royal birth, right? We don't often think of that like that, but royal births were a really big deal. And as a matter of fact, in the Roman Empire to which Jesus was born, when all of the Caesars, the Roman emperors, were born, it would be followed with weeks and weeks of festivities. There would be entertainment. There would be beauty pageants. There were men testing themselves with strength. Which, by the way, it's hilarious. So we're going to have a baby born that's an emperor, and we're just going to like go kill each other. Like, what is that? But that's how it was done. That's how it was done. Now, it's actually not that much different today. So if a royal baby is born today, I want to show you this literally is what happens. Let's, let's see this clip. parents that are like my age in here. Y'all just did an Instagram post. Like, let's be for real. That was incredible, right? Now, the, the thing that's even crazier about that is that happens every hour on the hour for 24 hours after the birth of a child to the royal family. And not just one person, all over the UK, all over all of the territories still under the control of the UK. That happens on the town squares. How awesome is that? Like, come on. We don't have things like that. Typically what we have now is a, a family, either the day of or shortly thereafter, there will be a Facebook post and an Instagram post. You know, it's a, there might be a simple request attached to it, um, to, not to overwhelm the parents, um, or, you know, giving the dimensions of the child and that mom is doing well. That's, that's more typical, right? You don't usually have a town crier standing outside of the house going, hey, there's a baby that's new and that lives in this house. That's not typical. Unless it's the weird aunt that is standing outside, you know, the one that spoils the Facebook post from the parents. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. If you don't, you're probably the aunt. <clears throat> and it's a big, big deal. And this tradition, it goes back to the founding of the Roman Empire and even before that. This was a big deal. As a matter of fact, uh, Caesar Augustus, his birthday, September 23rd, was declared to be the start of the Roman calendar. Right, So a royal being born, Roman, uh, Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor. It was a big, big deal. Now, it's, it's interesting because what we find is that for us, 
this is not, it's a big deal, but like, it's only a big deal for you. Like, it's only a big deal for your immediate family. And the language that, that was used around royal births and that we use today, it's, it's very similar. It's very similar. You see, it, the same word for gospel, the Greek word for gospel, was actually used to proclaim every Caesar's birth. Same Greek word that we would use today for our word, the gospel. And we're going to see that story today. You see, we're going to see a story about a child's birth being counted as great news, good news. We're going to see a servant coming and proclaiming that this is happening, just like the town crier. We are going to see people, common folks, being sent to go and pay homage to the child. And we're going to see a promise born, a promise born to the people of a new future where grace and mercy, strength and prosperity, and hope reign supreme. This story is one that you're all probably familiar with, thanks to Linus. If you know, you know. And this story can be found in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bible with you, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 21. Um, If you don't have your Bible, there's actually one located in front of you. Um, If you're online and don't have a Bible, like Google it. Like, I don't know. Google it. Let's read from God's word. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, We start off in verse 8. And in verse 8, we see something very interesting happen. It says, and there were shepherds. Let me define for you what shepherds were. They were blue-collar people. They were not special. They were not royal. They had no connection at all to anybody important. As a matter of fact, being a shepherd was only slightly above being a slave. 
It was not a prestigious job. And for most people, when they were shepherds, it wasn't them taking care of their own flocks. It was, in fact, them taking care of flocks of other people who were wealthy. And so already, the characters that we're starting with in this story are, have nothing special about them. There is no reason that they should be informed, not even just first, anywhere near to first, of what is happening. So we have to start with the shepherds, and it's very important that we start there. See, they were even, they were living in fields. So what that even tells us is some shepherds who actually, they were working for somebody either who had money or they had any money themselves, they would be able to have tents and, and nice, they wouldn't have to stay necessarily in the fields, they would even bring their animals into the towns. These are the lowest of the low. These are not special people. Not special in our eyes. And they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. You see, heaven is about to come to earth in the most common of ways. This is setting the field up for a miracle that's about to happen. You see, these shepherds, there, there was no, no reason for them to have been called to do anything of import. But you see, God does this a lot. I think of this man named David who was the youngest of his brothers, but not only was he the youngest, he was the smallest and the weakest. He called him to be a king. I think of the prophet Samuel, somebody who, in fact, wrote a lot of, of, of books in the Old Testament. He was born to a common family and, and was actually given at birth to the temple to be raised and taken care of, and God used him to crown not one but two kings. I think of a man named Saul, who... Saul was wicked. Sure, he followed the letter of the law, but in doing so, he murdered, we don't even know how many people. And God humbled him, laid him low, and he was absolutely not even close to the first choice that would have been used, but he turned out to be the greatest missionary that ever lived and proclaimed the gospel to Gentiles all over the world. And the reason that we're sitting in this room today is because of this man, Paul. God chooses people who we would not typically choose to do the things that he wants to do. Let's look at verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You see, God, has, there's a pattern. So over and over and over again in Scripture, we see an angel or a heavenly being coming and appearing before individuals, I think of Joshua, Moses, all throughout the Old Testament. And then into the New Testament when Jesus appears before Saul, um, when, when he appears to Peter. Over and over and over again when he does this, there is a, 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 there's not a doubt. Now, they were scared. First reason, as you saw so eloquently in the video that was done right before I got up to start speaking. Um, they were glowing. What is that? So that was a reason to be scared, but, but also there was no doubt in their minds that what they had just entered into was a holy moment. You see, God makes his presence known. Have you ever been in situations I have many times in my life when I'm sitting in a hospital and it's either a family member or somebody who I'm, I'm visiting and we're all waiting for the news and you feel this, this stillness? Maybe some of you are living through things like that now. And that stillness that settles over. And it, it's peace, but it's not. 
and you just know that God's there? That's what they were feeling in that field because some crazy stuff was about that. It was about to go down. Let's look at the next verse. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Come on. <laughs> You're glowing. How am I not supposed to be afraid? Have any of you ever read a description of what an angel looks like? Like they got a kajillion eyes. They got like wings popping out of places that shouldn't have wings popping out of. Like, hello, I, how am I not supposed to be afraid right now? You are a scary looking creature and you're glow. Can we get back to the word glow? He's glowing and you're glowing. Okay. But don't be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. You see, and this is where things get interesting. This child was good news. Not only was he good news, in that verse, we're seeing God lay out his plan. You see, that child was not for the select few. <laughs> He's being revealed to, by the way, shepherds at the moment. That child was for all people of all ages and all times from then until now. And that, that is good news. And these angels, they're showing them. They're showing these shepherds, don't be afraid. Something really cool is about to happen. And you get to be a part of it. And by the way, that's for us today as well. We're a part of this. Let's look at the next verses. They continue, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, the angel is giving Jesus his titles. Remember that town crier? That angel right now is essentially the town crier. The title that that baby had, which she was going to be part of the royal family of Cambridge. He's the Messiah in the town of David. He's a savior. Now, these titles are bestowed on him today. They are confirmed at his baptism when Jesus has the Holy Spirit and God sends the Holy Spirit to rest on him. But he already has these titles. That is who he is. And when this angel is speaking, the, the enormity of the situation comes to rest in that moment. We're not dealing with any child. I'm not telling you about your grandchild, though I'm sure they're cute. I'm sure. We're not dealing with a child that is a prodigy who is just going to be able to play an instrument really well. I'm sure that it's cool. That's not what we're dealing with. We are dealing with something different, the Messiah. Let's move on. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Let's go to the next verse. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. You see, not only was the angel proclaiming who Jesus was, he was saying something a little bit different. You see, typically, I was talking about those Instagram posts and like all that of what happens with a child. You'll see at the end of it, you know, mom's at home resting and the babies, they're both doing great. Or in the royal pronouncement, you know, you'll see, oh, they're at, they're at Windsor Place. They're in the palace. They're doing well. Everything's great. You would expect a royal child to be in a royal building, a place of importance for something with authority. 
But see, Jesus' authority comes from something different. His authority doesn't come from man-made things. His authority comes from something higher. And what God deemed is that because his gospel is for everybody, that he needs to live like everybody, and that he did. Born in a manger in a barn because his family rejected his mother Mary and Joseph. And no one would let them stay in any place. Family wasn't there to help. He was born in the city of David, but under the lowliest circumstances. Soon after this, he has to be whisked away to Egypt to live the first years of his life. Later on, we're going to see that when he comes back, he doesn't go to Jerusalem. <laughs> no, he goes to Galilee, Nazareth. That's like telling somebody that you're from Tuscross County. Nobody laugh. I'm from Tuscross County. It's like telling somebody you're from there, right? That child was born to the lowliest of circumstances, but was going to eventually become the king of kings. Let's go to the next verse. And as the angels were praising and singing, they began to sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now I want to focus for a second on this verse. People skip over this because it's the angels singing and nobody can carry a tune like them or the choir. But this is actually the gospel. And this is God revealing the gospel to them. You see, glory to God in the highest of heaven. This has no doubt who this is from. This is from God, your heavenly father, who loves you more than anything. And on earth, peace is going to be given to those on whom his favor rests. What does that mean? Well, friends, what that means is, is that if you believe that Jesus really is who he says he is and that he really did come to say and do what he did come to do, then you have God's favor. Because what you've done is you've, in that moment, surrendered your life over to God. It is for all people. Everybody has the opportunity to be able to accept this, but not everybody does and not everybody will. But to those who do, his favor rests. Now, that doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that those shepherds' lives were perfect. As a matter of fact, I have a feeling that their jobs were pretty hard after that. I mean, they were the ones that saw these angels. You ever seen the movie Santa Claus before? You know what I'm talking about. They thought they had that dream. And like all of a sudden, everybody thought they were crazy people. It's probably something similar to what the shepherds dealt with later on in their lives. Let's go on to the next verse. Now, when the angels left them, this is where the action begins to take place. You see, it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is not coming from the angels. You can see very clearly they understood the game. They knew who this was coming from. It was coming from the Lord. Many times we, we sit, and my favorite thing that Christians will say is, well, I have to pray about it. That's why I've made a joke. If you ever talk to me for more than five minutes and you ask me to do something, probably one of the first things that will come out of my mouth is I got to pray about that. That's a joke. And that is a Christian joke meant to poke fun at the fact that as Christians, we are really, really good at denying that God is asking us to do something. And instead we say, we're going to pray about it. And we do that for weeks until everybody forgets. And then we go on living our lives the way that we wanted to after that. You see, the shepherds had no doubts about what was going on. This was from God. And we have a mission. The mission is we got to get to Bethlehem because there's a baby laying in a manger and we got to see this child because God told us to. And see, most of the time when God tells us to do something, 
We hesitate. We pray about it. We've been reading the Bible. It's plain as day. God's asking us to do something. We feel this weight on us that we have, we have no choice. This is something we have to do. And we'll pray about it for two weeks. Let's go to the next verse. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see, God, <laughs> from the moment that he created the world and the people and everything in it, God has kept his promises and he always keeps them every time. There are hundreds of promises that God makes in the Bible, and he keeps every single one of them. It might not always be what we would want it to be, but he does make promises, and he keeps his word. And these, 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 the angels, what they proclaimed, that happened. And when the shepherds got there, they saw exactly what they expected to see. Jesus was there. Now, I want you to imagine this. So we, we think of, of today, this manger in a barn what was actually probably was either a cave or the bottom part of a house of a two-story house where the animals would live. That was how they did it back then. If you didn't have money, you would not have a barn. You would have the animals live in the bottom part and the, the people would live in the top part. So these shepherds like come. <laughs> uh, so you're not going to believe this. But we were in a field and this bunch of these angels came up and they, and they you're not going to believe this. They said we had to come here and we had to worship your baby. Moms in the room, grown men who smell like animals are coming and saying they need to worship your baby. I would have questions. And yet they followed, they listened. Let's go to the next verse. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Go to the next verse. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Listen, Jesus did not happen on accident. This was on purpose. And it was an incredible story. It's the story of stories. It's the greatest story that's ever been lived. It's the greatest story that's ever been lived. And the message that he carries to us is incredible. Let's go to the next verse. I focus on Mary a lot. I think of her a lot because I deal a lot with moms in what I do for a living. I talk to moms a lot. And I know how much you love your children. And I know how much you would do for them. And so I think about her a lot. And I think about you a lot. You see, all these incredible cosmic things are going on, and yet there's this young woman who has a baby. And she's been in front row seat to all of this. Front row seat to the most incredible thing that's ever happened. And for her, this was her Lord and Savior she was holding. Let's go to the next verse. And the shepherds returned and they were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Again, God is faithful. If he says it's going to happen, it happens. Let's go to the last verse. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. Not only did he have the other titles that the angels gave him, Jesus was a very common name. He was given that name because he was for all people. And the angel, it was the same name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. 
So as I read this passage, and I gave you a little bit of commentary as we went through it, there, there are some things that I begin to pull out of this text. And it's a beautiful text. It's one of my very favorite, um, especially at Christmas time, to, to meditate on and, and understand God's word. And many of you have heard it. So I wanted to give you three things that I pulled out of this text and I wanted to share with you. The first one is this. God's plan, it's for everyone. That's the first thing. You are a part of God's plan. You see, from the moment that God had to throw Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, there was a plan in place. That was not a mistake. He knew that people were not going to be able to live up to the standards that he knew were there to be holy. And he knew that. So, he had a plan. You see, in the book of Romans, we, we see this verse. It's Romans 1.16. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone, not the rich ones, not the popular ones, not the ones that have the best grades, not the ones that have the most clout and the best job, not the ones that have perfect kids, not for the ones that are whatever, fill in the blank, the healthiest, but for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, this gospel, this good news that was proclaimed by those angels that day, it was for everyone. The second thing I want to share with you is that God's word is true. We saw this over and over and over again in this passage. If you ever had a doubt about whether God's word is true and whether his, his word ever comes back void, it is true every time, and it always has been. You see, God keeps his promises. God knew, like I said, back in that garden, that Adam and Eve were not going to hold up their end of the bargain. He did anyways. He did anyways, and he had Jesus come down. By the way, Jesus did not first come onto the scene when he was born, like Theology 101. Jesus has been since the beginning of everything. Before time was created, Jesus was. God came out of heaven and had to be born on earth to make it so that you and I could have a relationship with him. God's word's true. He keeps his promises and he's faithful to the promises he makes his people. The shepherds were told there was going to be a child born in Bethlehem, and there was. And the third thing, the king must be worshipped. Like, when, when baby Archie and, and Charlotte and all of the, the royal kids were born, you can look at Herod, you can look at the emperor. Uh, any royal that's ever come on the earth, homage had to be paid to that child every time. The gifts that dignitaries will bring are, are extravagant whenever you look at what they'll bring these children. But never before had a child been born and haven't since that only was there to give. You see, Jesus didn't come to receive. He came to give. And because he came to give, we worship him. Because he made us have a right relationship with the Father, we worship him. Jesus Christ came to earth, lived the greatest story ever told, and did it all so that you and I could be put into this right relationship with God. 
And the story had to be righted. I had a professor in college one time who told me, he said, Todd, the, it was never a question of, was God going to do anything? Sin had to be eradicated. It had to die. There was not an option. It was not a question of if, it was a question of when. And Jesus Christ was that answer. The story had to be righted. And from Genesis to Revelation and every place in between, we see the story of a loving God desiring to be in a relationship with his creation. And today we are his creation. And worship must be our response to him. So if you're here today and you've never taken that final step of faith to trust in him, I'd encourage you to do that. You see, he loves you. He loves you enough that the divine came to heaven and was born, lived a perfect life. And it's really as easy as this. All that you have to do is, is, is pray this prayer and say, Lord, as much as I know and with all that I am, I ask for your forgiveness. I've lived my life apart from you and I recognize you as Lord of all. I accept your sacrifice and I want to make you Lord over my life. For many of you, that's a prayer you prayed a long time ago. And you faithfully lived that prayer out. And Jesus is Lord of your life. For others of you, you've heard that before and, and you flirted with it, but you've never fully committed. And for some of you, maybe you've never heard that before in your life. I would encourage you today, if you're in those latter two categories, if you've prayed that prayer just now, or if you read it to yourself silently after we're done today, if you think that and you believe that in your heart, the Bible actually tells us something beautiful about this, that you have been made into a new creation. You are a new creation. And that baby that was born was born for that purpose. He was born so that you and me who are broken, flawed and broken and completely separated from God if we do not have a Savior, he was born to make that right.